Season 4, Episode 3 with Eleanor Roblevsky. Learner Profiles 8. Hello everyone, it's time for another Actual Fluency podcast and I'm just home from the Polyglot Gathering in Berlin, it was last week. I'm on the back of a cold here which is a little bit annoying but when you've had so much fun for five, six days then I guess coming home with a cold is uh, it's quite okay on balance and it's to be expected. I usually get a cold when I mingle with a lot of people from all over the world and I had such a great time and I want to thank everyone for making it such a good event especially the organizers great job on that uh, i can't believe it, they run it so well as uh, huge shout out to Judith, chuck and martin of course who are really pulling in all all the weight on that and all the other organizers and volunteers as well without whom it wouldn't be possible so thank you guys and also thank you to the people who came up to me and said that they were listening to the show and they really like what i'm doing and want me to keep going because it really boosts my mojo, so to say, that I, I put a face on some of the listeners out there and and that, that you guys appreciate it. I really appreciate twice as much, you know. I, it really means a lot to me. And as long as there are people who want to listen to the Actual Fluency po- Podcast, can't even say my own podcast name anymore, uh, then I'll keep doing it. So don't worry about it. And I had a great time in Berlin as well. Used some of my Hungarian, my feeble Hungarian, which was exciting. There was an American whose name I forgot. Uh, he spoke really great Hungarian. And then there were a few native speakers and uh, one or two other learners. And we sat in a circle. And I got to use some of my very basic Hungarian. And I understood a lot of what the others were saying too, which was exciting. My Russian is a little bit steady and stagnant at the level just above useless <laughs> i can say a few things and i do understand a few, a few things but my vocabulary is so limited that i i'm really struggling to understand especially verbs long verbs i'm really not too sure on so i know at least i know what to to work on today i've got a, a great episode for you it's a learner profiles again and i wanted to just comment quickly on the learner profiles episodes Yes, half of the reason that they're called learner profiles is that I'm not sure what to call them. So in a sense, it is a bit of a cop-out. But on the other hand, they just contain so many random topics as you would... It would be like, can you imagine talking to your best friend for an hour and then putting a topic to the conversation? Sometimes you can do it, and I have done it in the past. But other times it's just like, well, general language learning yeah well that's not a title so that's why i call it learner profiles it's not it's not because i i don't want to put a title on it or because i don't know it it's just simply because we're talking about so many random things so many different things about language learning that yeah i could just call it language learning but then every single episode would be called that or most of them anyway so thank you for being a listener as always i really appreciate it and um one last thing, if you want to come on the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Go to actualfluency.com forward slash guest and uh, fill out a short application and hopefully I'll get to talk to you. So enjoy this episode with Eleanor and I'll see you in the next one. All 
Alright, we're back with another episode of the Actual Fluency Podcast and today I'm happy to welcome Eleanor onto the podcast and uh, Eleanor has been keeping me in check on Twitter and uh, <laughs> she's also in school learning languages and is uh, working to be a comedian on something we'll hear about in just a minute. But <laughs> before that, all that, uh, why don't you give the listeners a little story on how you got into language learning and where you are today and yeah, what made you uh, come on the podcast? Yeah, um, I guess I, my journey in language learning probably started like a lot of people in middle school. We had to learn a language and I uh, learned Spanish um, and I had a lot of, I think, really good Spanish teachers in middle school and high school. So I kind of did graduate high school and I think a lot of my classmates did too with a decent ability to, you know, read and, and speak and so forth. Um, I also studied Latin in high school. I have forgotten all of my Latin, um, basically. <laughs> I know a song about how to decline nouns. That's all the Latin I have left. Wow. That's impressive. <laughs> um, you memorize something when you're 14. I think you never forget it. Right. I think that's science. Um, but I also like, I kind of tried to learn some languages independently at that time. I think the resources maybe weren't quite there in the same way for like online in you know 2002 2003 so like I would go to the library and I would get the Pimsleur and then I would learn how to say like where is red square in Russian and I'd forget (laughs) all the rest of it um and then so I kind of was trying to flirt with that a little bit I did also um I studied some Italian in college and I um although I think a lot of people have this problem with being good at both Italian and Spanish at the same time is they really interfere with each other um, because they're so similar. So then that aids in like comprehension and everything. But um, for example, after I later on in college, after I wasn't studying languages, I was studying art. (laughs) Um, I went to Italy for a semester and I did just one of those like English language programs and um maybe didn't socialize with locals as much as I could have but you know I did have to like shop in Italian and so forth Mm -hmm. and I feel like while I was there I forgot all of my old Spanish kind of and I really had to work to get it back um and the the point that I was trying to get to is that I like in Italian you use the definite article literally all the time you just use it like anytime you have a noun and I still overuse definite articles in in Spanish (laughs) to this day I think just like all those kind of things so um anyway then I sort of actually I really um I really appreciate how much you talk about like depression and things like that in the podcast and I recently listened to the depression episode and I thought that was really like kind of relatable to my maybe experience too so that was really nice that I kind of was in this really like I don't know I had dropped out of school for a while and I was like what am I gonna do with my life and then I kind of found like the polyglot community online and I wasn't really like I was um I started trying to remember my Spanish mostly because I was working in um customer service at the time and I would get a decent amount of customers in that would be Spanish speakers and they would, you know, be trying to have their child 
interpret for them. Right. <laughs> and it was just very like refreshing to them. Even my Spanish was kind of like not super great, but I could mostly understand what they were saying to me. And then I, you know, I looked up how to say things like a yard is about 93 centimeters and we don't sell in <laughs> meters. We sell in yards and inches, like <laughs> important things. Yes. I was working in a fabric store at the of time. Course, yeah, yeah. So people would come in and be like, can I get a meter of fabric? And I would say, okay, one meter is about one and one eighth yards. <laughs> Even if I couldn't do like all of the requests in Spanish, like. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> um, anyway, and then I kind of like found the polyglot community kind of through those weird ways that you find things in the internet, you know, yeah. you see one thing and all of a sudden you follow, you follow 10 links and you're subscribed to a podcast. Right. The domino effect. You got there. <laughs> um, so then I actually thought that this, this podcast I found pretty early and I thought it was really inspiring at the time. This was a little over a year ago, I guess. Yeah. A year, maybe a year and cool. a couple months. Um, so then I decided around the time I decided to go back to school and I did decide to do a, um, a Spanish major, which is, it's basically like a linguistics and literature major for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, so we do, um, there are still like some language practice classes that I've taken in Spanish, uh, but it's mostly that I do a lot of reading, like most of my reading, all of my writing and all of the like class discussion is in Spanish. Oh, that's really so good. It's basically all my, you know, so that's really kind of helpful to me. Although um, currently this semester I'm taking a advanced Spanish conversation class. And I think the professor that I have has this goal that she'll turn us into independent language learners. Hmm. And I think it's really backfiring, actually. I think a lot of people have dropped the class. Um, she's like, you have to make goals. And I personally don't like goals because if I go and look at the goal that I haven't completed, then I feel like, what have I done? I'm a failure and I don't do more as opposed to kind of, if you have a habit that maybe you don't keep track of, super well then you can like oh I haven't been studying enough I'll go back to studying every day but then it's also like when I'm in school I feel like for Spanish it's not I don't do super extra stuff but then it's like oh I'll take this class because my Spanish is all you know I can talk about literature and like cultural differences all day um I know a lot of words for like viceroys and like you know <laughs> I can't think of a word for like a toothbrush off the top of my head, things like that. Like, oh, I'll take conversation class, but I, uh, I don't know. I don't know how successful that approach is as compared to some of the other professors that teach the same class where you just, you know, like we're watching a Spanish TV show, which is very good for helping with like conversational stuff. But then at the same time, so like put on the vocabulary quiz all the colloquial expressions and it's like I can't appropriately use this. Right. I can maybe swear like a Spaniard after watching so much of this TV show because 
they swear all the time right. um, in Spain. But I also can't swear like a Spaniard in Mexico because Mexicans don't swear very often. Yeah, so it's kind of um, interesting. Well, that's an interesting dynamic with those two different classes there. We can mm-hmm. we can uh, talk about that a little bit because it's something that I'm quite interested in. And basically, how can we improve the language learning in schools is one of my one of my little, I guess, uh, yeah, save the world kind of projects. But um, yeah. I was I was thinking more like. I mean, you I, you obviously enjoy your class, and I also did some German in uni, and it was very. We did a lot of grammar, and um, and we didn't do as much literature. And then I did English, where we did a lot of literature, and hardly any grammar. So so how's the how's the mix for you in your Spanish class? Um, it is it's mostly pretty good. Like actually, this semester I have four different classes in Spanish. Wow. So it's because I had been in school for a long time and then I dropped out. So then the only classes that I have left to take are the ones for whatever major I had chosen, basically. Um, Anyway, so like there's one of my classes is actually, I think, a really interesting and really good mix because it's we're learning. It's a linguistics class. So we're learning a lot about phonetics and phonology. But we also do incorporated with that practical pronunciation exercises. Oh, wow, yeah. And part of the grade is our pronunciation improvement. And I think for advanced level, improvement is a good way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a difference. I'm not sure the best way to do language education in schools is to make every um, student into super motivated independent language learner though like i think there's a lot of like pedagogical techniques out there that can be kind of applied to be like i'm a teacher and i'm giving you this right in class time and that's what you're here for and then um you know like i am actually interested in going abroad to teach english after i graduate and uh so i kind of think about this stuff a lot um i'm doing like conversational english tutoring right now and that's you know, basically just going and hanging out. But then part of the dynamic of the friendship is maybe this person is very comfortable asking me questions about English and I correct them a little more than my other friends that are not native English speakers. Right. Um, so that's, but then that's kind of advanced level stuff. I'm also taking um, Korean in school kind of just because I'm already here and I'm paying tuition and you know so and i started learning korean on my own and it didn't really like hook into me that much and i think actually for our korean class i think the most helpful thing that the professor has done other than i mean you know choose decent textbook and whatever we have to like practice talking in class and so forth but we have to have a conversation partner right and I am kind of like, I knew that was helpful, but I didn't really know, like I was kind of terrified to do it. So I never did just go and have conversation partners myself previously. And I think that's probably like the most helpful thing is that you, you know, you go to class and you learn grammar, but then you also go and you like talk to your friends and maybe you don't take any notes or memorize anything or Right. When I was like more of a beginner, I took more notes and memorized a few more things from conversation, but now I barely do it. 
um, like if we get to talking about something really complicated, like the differences in housing between the U.S. and South Korea, <laughs> right. right? We might get out a notebook and like draw some pictures and write some explanatory notes, but like it's, um, I think it, that's kind of the most helpful thing. Yeah. Um, it's still and pretty it's also nice, I would say, for such a, I mean, Korean is such a difficult, uh, different language. Yeah. That I mean to be able to do that after a year, and even though even though you need some drawings to help you sometimes, I mean that's that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and some of the like one of my partners that I meet with, we kind of do more of a language exchange, and then uh, she's actually here because her husband is doing his postdoc. So and then another language exchange I have is that um, just for someone that's you know, t going to school in English and has a lot of American friends and has been here for a long time. So then we basically never speak English. Right. Um, the, uh, yeah, Korean is kind of maybe a more easy one to do that with too here, being in an American research university, because there are more Koreans than people learning Korean on campus. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. You know, yeah. Like I, there's through the university tutoring office is kind of where I had matched with different people for English as well as Korean and they actually kind of were, had tried to get me like, oh, you speak Spanish advanced level. Please sign up to do Spanish because there's so many more people signed up for Spanish because it's a popular language to study. Sure. But a lot of, I mean, maybe not even <laughs> due to some really complicated reasons. Maybe there's less native Spanish. There's less native Spanish speakers that are in the university than that are sort of out in the town. Right. So. It's kind of harder in that way, but there are probably definitely more learners than native speakers. I'm sure. I mean, yeah, for Spanish, especially in the university. Yeah, but I think it's interesting, though. I I don't know what your stance on is on this, but my my fundamental belief is that a teacher should be responsible for the learning of the students, mm -hmm. and I think that the teacher should first and foremost make sure that during the class hours that the learning takes place in a way that is useful and also engaging for the students. Uh, so that means, you know, don't memorize, you know, 200 different grammar tables and whatever. Um, and I think if the teacher is really engaged during the class and does a good job of, you know, showing the students that they can actually learn something, I think that the students naturally develop an interest in becoming that independent language learner not that that's necessarily a goal or something that I think is necessarily superior, but if you can somehow get students to develop an interest in a subject outside of school without being told to do it, that would be the ultimate goal for me if I were a teacher, you know, get get kids involved. Well, no, I say kids, you know, obviously we're talking yeah. about college level here, but <laughs> for some reason, you know, any student is a kid. I don't know why. It's just uh, one way to say it, but mm -hmm. um, uh, the student get the students involved because... I don't know. Do you think it's easier for college students to motivate themselves compared to middle school kids? It may be, but it's it's kind of hard to say. Like specifically looking at, um, well, in Korean, it's also because I'm at a lower language level. There are people in there that have kind of said, "Well, I need any language for a lot of degrees. It's just a requirement to have any language up through." A certain semester um like one girl that i know is thinking about doing international relations major so she has to have through third or fourth semester and a lot of 
humanities, just like any language through second semester, things like that varies. Hmm. Um, so they but, get forced to choosing a language, even though they might not have a huge interest in that particular language. Yeah, but at the same time, Korean, the most people that choose Korean chose it because they're specifically interested in it. Okay. Because it's not, it's not something like um, French or Spanish or something where people might be like, well, I had a few years of this in high school so I can finish it faster <laughs> to get the requirement, right. you know. Like technically my, since I took four years of a foreign language in high school, for most non-language degrees, I wouldn't need to take a language in college. Wow. And how did you feel that those skills developed in, in high school? Did you feel conversational and uh, advanced level after it? Yeah, I did kind of feel that way. Like I, although technically what shows up on my transcript is that my high school Latin is covering that. Because la L comes before S in the alphabet, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so the um, it definitely does, yeah. Yeah, and you know, like my brother did one year more of French in high school than he had to to graduate high school, so that he wouldn't have to take a language in college, no matter what he majored in. Interesting. <laughs> um, Is that worth it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean. I think that I had some really good Spanish teachers in in middle school and high school, you know, and I just would kind of like most of my friends took Spanish and we just like sometimes speak Spanish to each other um, outside the class and everything. And um, but I think my brother's experience with the French teachers was a little not that okay. <laughs> for for various reasons you know some and some of that's just personality like sometimes you there's a teacher who's effective for a large portion of students and just not for you right. so that's another thing in like the formal classroom setting is the bigger the class the less able you are to help everybody and for sure. but at the same time like i think my, my brother still speaks a tiny bit of french you know when he came to visit me in italy he actually was like speaking French to some people that we ran into when we went out one night that spoke French better than English, at least. Okay. <laughs> I thought they were going to be like, what? Why are you speaking to me in French? <laughs> that would be oh, funny. Because no. <laughs> <laughs> Italians don't. Um, I think Italian school system approach to language is a little closer to the American one where it's like, well, you have to study something up to some level depend you know and right. then so some a lot of people study english and speak it well but a lot of people study english don't speak it well yeah. a lot of people study just like like i just picked french in the same way that i you know i could have picked french in middle school and then i'd be studying a whole different like literature and a whole different like culture and i'd probably have fewer like i don't know leftist professors is that a way to describe a lot of a lot of people in the spanish department right. <laughs> kind of like you know you can go buy this book but i hear from one of my students i can't give you the information but i hear you can find it free on the internet and it's not That's the hilarious. it's not the office that loses out it's the corporation right <laughs> okay like, what is literature what is latin america and like my Latin liter American literature class. Then I went to my, my Spanish American civilization class. Talking about what, well, what is culture? 
Oh, what God. is the city? What is civilization? Wow. <laughs> so like that. I feel like those aren't the conversations you have if you major in French, even though if you go to the French department, you're still studying like literature and linguistics of French. Sure. So that's kind of. That's really interesting. <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> I definitely see. I, I saw that in my high school here in, uh, when I was going to high school in Denmark. I definitely saw most of the teachers definitely seem to uh, be on on that side of the political fence. I don't know if that's sort of a, a general, uh, not a prerequisite, but maybe a trait <laughs> if you want to become a teacher, maybe you're more on that side. I don't know, but it's, it's definitely funny that you have to sort of define all these concepts. Yeah, so it's like, it's really different to being in Korean and in East Asian studies and stuff. And it's like, even my like TAs that are like two years older than me, I have to like address in a like really respectful way. And like, uh-huh. we don't really talk about politics a lot, especially because there's a lot of Chinese students. And then I just go to like my Spanish classes and I just call my six year old professors by their first names and like <laughs> pronouns and everything. And like, <laughs> yeah. very different. You but... want to hear something, something that will deeply upset you. Mm-hmm. When I went to, elementary school in denmark we called our teachers by the first name oh so did we oh yeah hmm. they only called them mrs starting <laughs> in like third grade wait you mean starting yeah so we we all we called all of our teachers all your like preschool teachers i'm trying to think like kindergarten first grade second grade right. it's all like first name and you go to third grade through like high school, and then most teachers are like, "You need to call like you called my Mrs. or Mister." Okay, we did that forever. Yeah, yeah. From when we started school till we finished school, we <laughs> called them by their names. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You don't. It's kind of an interesting relic that teachers almost always get called Mrs. and Mister. What if they have a so if they have a if they happen to have a doctorate and working in middle school, which is really unlikely. Well, would you then have to call them doctor, whatever? Probably not, no. <laughs> yeah, but like nobody knows how to call professors. Right. In America, it's a very common dilemma because if the professor doesn't say in the first day of class, like, this is how you should call me, <laughs> you know, like one of my, uh, like, one of my Spanish professors is like, just call me Ruben, like on the very first, like, email I sent before we even got to class. We're like, okay. And then my professor's like, I'm too old. You just call me profe, which is like short for professora. <laughs> and she, you know, she's like, I'm too old for you to call me by my first name. It's like, okay. But like when I took, you know, science classes or something, I would be like, uh, professor. And then they'd be like, oh, why are you calling me professor? But then like, you're like doctor so-and-so. Like, oh, why are you doing that? And then you can't just go up to somebody and, you know. Take some other like science class and be like, oh yeah, first day. But they'll be like, why are you so informal? So just like no one actually knows what to call professors by in America. That's hilarious. <laughs> it be like an official guideline or something. I know. <laughs> University guidelines. And then, well, yeah. Because you have to say in the first day of class. Right. I, I think they just should. But is a, is a professor in America higher rated than a doctor? Um, Not really you become a professor automatically when you teach your college class right that's when you that you're a professor it's, yeah it's a specific job title right. so not everyone that teaches a class so is i would a think professor. that being a doctor of arts or whatever have a phd would be better <laughs> i mean who knows it's 
<laughs> I guess the point is nobody knows. The point is nobody knows. <laughs> it's like a, a, a transition, a state of transition or something. That Are like you... 50 years ago, everybody knew. It's becoming more now, informal like, or? Yeah, like hmm. it would have been. Yeah, probably my mom would have called like nobody by their first name in college. That was her professor right. up until maybe like some of her when she was a grad student, some of her advisors. Right. But then it but then she probably would have called TAs by their first names. But now, you know, all my professors are my mom's age and they're just kind of like post even post like hippie generation and kind of grew up in a more informal you know, like I never called my friends' parents Mr. or Mrs. Right. I always called them by their first names. Yeah. Or just by nothing, you know? Yeah, it's, but... it's interesting. And especially when, I guess it's interesting for you when you study Korean, where they have that mm -hmm. really extensive honorific system where, I mean, I don't even half understand it because I've never studied it. Oh. But, you know, there's so yeah. many different stages, right? And you need to kind of know your place, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's really like, I think, can I ask what year you were born? you're a little older than me um 88 88 okay so since you were born in 88 and i was born in 89 it would be completely inappropriate for me to call you by an uh regular informal pronoun oh, really? I, with children people younger than me or my own age unless we were like i don't know like lovers maybe something like that but i have to call you by older brother and not by your name and not by informal <laughs> pronouns well, but then... okay never just be like hey chris how hey you hey no right. totally inappropriate it's so... so funny and <laughs> also me. right here in hungary it's also really funny that mm. the uh, the old formal system is, is still sort of it's still alive and well i mean particularly between strangers and in denmark it's it's gone for a very long time i mean you hardly ever, ever use the informal pronoun but here it's it's still very popular and i remember one of my friends came here and he he told the story of how on the very first day of moving into his apartment, he met an old lady on the stairwell, and he just kind of said, "Hey, how are you doing?" Pretty much, he, he that's the only thing he knew in Hungarian was like the hi, and she was like furious, and she he, she didn't say a word. She just kind of stormed off, and she never talked to him again. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he met her on the stairwell, she was like she would completely ignore him, just walk past. So it's funny how how that. That system is in some different parts of the world. It, it still persists, but other places it's kind of going away. I know that the German one is also kind of, you know, it's still there with the Seen and uh, Dusen, but uh, it's also not as strict as, as it was. And it's just funny. And, and they also adjust. Like if I'm, I met someone on the stairwell and I've, I'd, I'd learned Hungarian for some time, so I knew this. So I'd, I said, you know, good morning, sir, whatever the English equivalent is. And he, First, he just said, good morning. And then he changed it mid-sentence to the same that I said. And he was older than me. So it's yeah. kind of funny how, you know, it, but obviously they've lived their whole life in that language. So they understand the finer details. But as a foreigner, it's just completely strange to you even have such a difference. Um, as, as, especially from a Danish perspective where we just don't care. You know, if you, if you meet, you know, teachers, uh, I don't know, professors, uh, you parents or whatever you just say hey what's up <laughs> there's, there's no distinction yeah it's um although i think some things about having the honorific system make it easier because you kind of just know certain things it's like on the one hand there's no way that i can say my name is eleanor 
in the same way to a child or a peer who's approximately my age or <laughs> an authority figure who's not far from my age or a grandmother. Like I have to say all those things differently. But sometimes in English, I might be like, or like, let's say like, I'm hungry is a good example of maybe because you'd be like, to a kid, you'd be like, oh, pack up da. But then to like, and you have to be like, um, oh, I don't even know. You have to say something really fancy. But then, you know, in English, you might be like, to a kid, you might be like, well, my tummy is grumbly. And to your friends, you might be like, I'm freaking hungry. Right. And then to an adult, you say, so in some ways, it's easier once you master it. But I think part of it, too, is like how used to people, how we are, how are people used to hearing foreigners speak their language? Right. Adds a lot to like the forgiveness system, too. Like if somebody says something that's just kind of a little bit inappropriate in English, but I know they're not a native speaker. I know that, and if I know them well enough, I'll, like, let them know. Yeah, that's but... that's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> or, like, in Spanish, too. Spanish speakers kind of are used to people that aren't native speakers, but or also because I think languages are spoken in a lot of places around the world. You might be like, oh, you're a foreigner. Did you learn somewhere else? You kind of are, as opposed to, like, Hungarian, where it's like... Yeah. People just aren't as used to that, I think. So for sure, and when they speak English, they're also not very used to that. So sometimes they can, they can really say something quite offensive, even mm. though they don't realize it. Yeah, uh, I don't take much note of it. Uh, it doesn't bother me because I know that they don't, they don't mean anything by it. But a good example is, like, I often have lunch in a cafe or something while I do some reading or something, and and often when I come, the waiter is like, "So you're alone." <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, uh, yes, <laughs> alone again, you know. I was like, jeez. Yeah, and it's a, like, a, oh, just you? <laughs> yeah, it's like a customer service professional. I've mean, never worked in a restaurant, but I would say like, so table for one. Right, exactly. That Americans so, like, would be wait, experts would say, at this. America, or... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Americans would be expert at this level of service. But it's just funny that they don't mean anything by it. They're just sort of translating. And you get this like, oh, you're just one or is there any more people coming or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, whatever. I'm one. It's totally polite in Hungarian. Yeah. Or I might not be able to think of any other way to express it in English. But... Right. <laughs> yeah. They often do They often do that. And it's, it's quite funny when it happens because if, if you were a little bit more, I don't know, sensitive, I guess you could kind of tell them off for it, but yeah, whatever. They don't know. And, I don't really, it doesn't bother me, but it's just funny. Yeah. I was like, where, well, where I work at right now, I have, because um, I work at like a cafe on campus. So a ton of my customers are like foreign, foreigners, because that's where scientists, a lot of them are scientists. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a big population of, of non-native speakers. And it's like, so I'm like, oh, that lady's so rude. I'm like, she's not rude. She's just Russian. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I've I've worked in sort of other situations where the difference in etiquette with foreign customers is so big that it actually like really causes emotional like distress. But like when some lady just comes in and she's like, "Can I have, can I have mocha or whatever?" That's not a good Russian accent. I should do a Russian accent. <laughs> but you know, I'm just like, it's yep, yeah, yes, yes, you may. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, make mocha. Yeah, that's funny. There's a big difference. I. For for instance, uh, people in the UK are extremely polite when they order things. So they'll say some something. I mean, could I have is basically the most basic form. They say that all the time. But if you go to other countries, they might just say, "Coffee, please," or yeah. "Coffee, thanks." You know, whereas mm -hmm. in English, you kind of that it's a little bit abrupt. It's a little bit stern, I would say. 
so yeah. you kind of have well, to preface it with something but in other languages it's completely completely fine yeah like i was telling one of my um one of my korean friends she was like kind of asking me about ordering i was like when you're making a request around here the polite way to do it that's just okay to anybody is can i get a right <laughs> can i get a water excuse me can we get some waters can i uh exactly you know can i get a can i get a but like even when someone says can can i have and that's very stern like russian voice then right the germans have a funny way of doing it they use the subjunctive hmm. so they sort of say something like i would like to have yeah ich hätte gern ein kaffee and it's uh it's pretty it's, it's pretty cute i think because <laughs> it's like it's a, yeah. it's a theoretical situation so i would really like a coffee and then the answer is like okay well go get one <laughs> you know? i wonder if because people say that i'm from um wisconsin and basically i live my whole life here and i guess there's a lot of um since wisconsin was settled by a lot of germans and scandinavians that people say there's a lot of influence in wisconsin accent you may not be able to hear my wisconsin accent but i definitely have a little bit of a one um but we are like really indirect when we're trying to be polite here too so i wonder if that comes from the germans i guess it could yeah because like i was wondering if you might be able to yeah (laughs) that's very polite (laughs) like because can you please or just do it it's it's just just too direct i was wondering if you might be able to right and then if you can't say no i'm so sorry (laughs) no that's when you like are giving the person an opportunity that's the other thing about english politeness i think is like plausible deniability like give the other person (laughs) like you know the other person if you're not their superior they have their own like they can (laughs) say no yeah can say no that's funny i was in america recently and there's (laughs) service in the bars and restaurants and and everywhere basically was just too much. It was too polite almost. <laughs> it was like, you know, at some point you when you've been asked for the tenth time whether everything is okay, it's like, yeah, I mean, you asked us two minutes ago. I mean, we understand about you living off the tips and stuff, but I mean, this is going to get deducted, <laughs> not added. Um, no, I didn't say that, of course, but yeah. it was just, it's just a, a real culture shock for me. And I, you know, I really appreciate good service, but to me, there's also an element of, it shouldn't be that visible. You know, I think good service is something that you don't see it that often. But obviously, the, I mean, of course, the, the waitress should come up and ask you once in a while, is there anything you need? Uh, can I get you some more coffee or whatever? But this constant nagging and like, how's the food? And then the manager comes over and he's like, oh, so what are you guys doing here? Yeah, we were trying to enjoy a nice beer and relax, but we keep getting <laughs> seeing harassed by the staff here. In, in New York, right? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, New York is a little little like that, I think. The um, It was like part of your job, especially if you wait tables, but even if you're like working in retail, is to like just have, just read customers minds and come up to them and when they need a request so they don't have to shout for you or look for you because like that's kind of rude to like shout for a waiter of course you just kind of like look around in this really like kind of pointed way and then the waiter will be like oh my god i'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it's it's really different you know then that's a problem that americans have when they go abroad as customers they're just like how do you get any service around here (laughs) you're just supposed to go up to the front (laughs) right yeah, it's so funny to see Americans and 
also just guests from other european countries when they come visit me here i always like <laughs> warn them that there's no service here whatsoever like if you hmm. go to a really touristy place of course there will be because they fight they they know they can get good tips there but if you go to like a a, a local restaurant they just don't care it's like you can sit there and wait for hours if you don't do anything you know so um it's funny to go to america where it's such a uh, an opposite or really um, yeah. i really I, I enjoyed it i just don't, didn't enjoy the whole tipping but that's a whole different uh, oh yeah um, and i i think that america is also slowly realizing that it's stupid so maybe it'll it'll change in the next i don't know 20 30 years who knows and uh, maybe get some good minimum wages and get yeah. rid of the whole tipping and instead I don't know. It just seems really bad. But anyway, let's um let's move on to some uh some language uh, related discussions. Oh yeah. Um, because I really want to. You you said you stumbled upon the Polygon community like mm -hmm. a year ago, and I yeah, I just wanted to get older, I guess. all right. I just wanted to get your uh, uh, sort of reflections on that because that's what happened to me uh, about two and a half years ago. So I just wanted to com compare notes and what did you think when you when you found all these. Well, I guess you found what, my podcast is one of the first ones. So, yeah. Um, but what was your opinion of the whole? Like, what did you first first opinions of the whole community feeling? Well, I mean, the first things that I was looking for was different, I guess, tools for mm -hmm. learning. And then I happened to find there's this whole other community. I think, um, I actually think it's really interesting to compare kind of the polyglot community versus there is also kind of the like Korean learning community. Yeah that I found and there it's really interesting kind of the way some people have this like hyper focus on um, just keeping finding a new language and maybe they keep doing that through European languages and then they stumble on a hard one and they're just like this is where I am for a while you right. know <laughs> like I kind of wanted to learn Korean because it was really different um, I was like, I already speak Spanish and Italian. What am I going to do next? Like French? No. <laughs> Go to the other side of the world. I love people do that, to be fair. And mm -hmm. I, I have absolutely nothing against those people because they're, it's, you get so much coverage from the, those Italian, Spanish, French. I mean, that's a huge percentage of the world that either has that as a native language or as a second language. So oh, yeah. I definitely totally understand it. And when people... <laughs> When when I when I tell people what languages I speak and are studying currently, people are like, so what about these European languages? Do you know any? <laughs> and I have to say, well, German, Danish, and they're like, they almost look. It's funny when you go to the Polyglot meetups, and there's no judgment. But let me just preface that. But when you when people come up to you, sometimes you might hear something like, oh, you don't speak French. I guess it's, <laughs> if it's some kind Not of. Not a little bit. I did not hear what you said. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, I was just saying that if you go to some of these polygraph meetings and you say that you don't speak French, people kind of get a little bit surprised. They're like, you don't speak French? And, you know, I don't know if that gets lost in the tone again and they don't, they, they mean it, you know, they don't mean anything of it, but it almost sounds like, why didn't you study French? You know, of course you should study French. Um, but for me, it's just like I wasn't interested and I'd rather choose my languages based on like what where my life is and where i am so and I'll, yeah. i'm sure i'll get to european languages once but for now i'm just uh doing where i'm living basically yeah weren't you didn't i remember hearing something you were talking about french and then moved to hungary and you're like well I yeah guess it's Hungarian or yeah, yeah and it's like, that was 
yeah, that's exactly what happened. I was like, okay, it's time to learn European languages. I'm going to learn four languages in a year. No problem. And then it's like, yeah, I'm going to live in Hungary. Um, okay. So let's quit this whole French idea for now. <laughs> but I hope to get back to it next year. But um, I definitely do want to learn some European languages because I do live in Europe and it makes sense to to have these sort of like French and Italian and Spanish. They're almost international in a way that mm. so many people learn them as second languages. There are so many um, groups, uh, you know, so many places around the world where these languages are spoken as a second language, perhaps most importantly, uh, Spanish. But definitely also French, you know, go to Canada or uh, it's a diplomatic language in many countries and, and in definitely in Europe. So you'd have a, a large French population and there are countries with uh, majorities and minorities uh, outside France as well. So you get a lot of mileage for those languages and they're so similar to English that it almost seems silly not to. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know. It's, it's, it also comes back to like, what's the point of learning a language? Like I actually, when I, okay. When I was like 14, I believe 13, 14, I found some popular book about linguistics in the library. And I was like, Oh my God, linguistics is the best. I'm going to major in linguistics in college. And that did not last <laughs> because I went to college and I took one linguistics class and the kinds of papers you have to write in linguistics classes are just like, yeah. They're just weird. I, they're not for me. It's very um, technical. Yeah. So that's kind of what's nice about being like in a um, Spanish, like being a Spanish major is that I do a lot of just like Spanish applied linguistics. Right. You know, um, I'm actually taking like a comparative linguistics of the Romance languages class wow. taught in English next semester. That's kind of cross list between all the Romance language departments. So that'll be a lot, a lot of fun, actually. Um, I'm trying like, Russian my time but oh anyway so it's like what's well, the purpose of learning a language is because you think you might travel is it because you're interested in the culture is it because you have friends that speak that language is it because your future father-in-law only speaks that language you know there's all these like all these reasons and I think some people are just kind of like well I just want to keep learning languages which mm -hmm. is fine but for me part of the reason to keep learning new languages is because I'm interested in I kind of see grammar as being like a puzzle. Mm -hmm. So grammar is a little too easy for me. So then I have to <laughs> challenge myself by just talking and not doing so much grammar and studying. Right. But um, to learn a different language kind of breaks your mind open a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. So I think if, if the only reason you're learning language is purely to learn languages, and to learn about different languages. I think learning ones from all over the world is good. Mm -hmm. um, but then at the same time, if you just want to learn a huge number of languages, it's like, yeah, just learn all the European languages in a row. <laughs> you know, I'm a native English speaker, so I'm, I already speak Spanish, and I speak some Italian. So next time we learn French. And then since the Northern Germanic languages are easy for English speakers too, you, you know, I could go down the list yeah. of just how easy they are for an English speaker. But like, okay, I'll learn French. I'll learn Dutch. I'll learn Danish. I'll learn Norwegian. I'll learn Swedish. I'll learn Portuguese. <laughs> I'll learn German. Yeah. Like in the order of how easy they supposedly are. Or kind of what I'm doing right now is going from the bottom. Right. With Korean. I think I'm going to work on Mandarin a little bit now too because I have a lot of Chinese friends right now. Nice. Um, a lot of, some of whom that I met from tutoring English and others that I met in Korean class actually. Wow. They're probably... 
almost as many citizens of the People's Republic of China as there are U.S. citizens in right. my Korean class. <laughs> <laughs> and then another big chunk that's international students from other Asian countries or of Asian descent. So it's kind of interesting. It's a huge um, language in, in America, as far as I know, Chinese. So yeah. definitely a very useful. But you touched on something very important then, and it's a topic that we often... Uh, revisit here on the podcast where the motivation question comes in and it's like is it enough motivation to just want to learn a language and i'm pretty torn on the idea because i think that we can we can do anything we want i don't think motivation necessarily makes it impossible to do something if we don't have the right motivation but on the other hand i i would discourage people to learn languages based on vanity alone um but on the other hand you can't deny it. there is an element of that too like look at my badge i speak all these languages right um, i learned esperanto last weekend yeah <laughs> congrats uh, <laughs> well yeah i speak esperanto too but it's a good example but i i think that it's just people seem to sometimes ignore the whole like vanity aspect the whole uh you know self I guess in the way you're improving your own character, if it were a video game, you're kind of upgrading. Um, and this, you can't deny that at, at all. But on the other hand, it's a very weak form of motivation. And I definitely felt that with Russian. I couldn't really find any big reasons. And people were always ask me, so when are you going to Russia? And I'm like, didn't really have any plans to go to Russia. <laughs> and it was like, when you look at how little I put into the language, you can see that that's probably a motivational issue there. But... Do I believe I can still learn Russian without the proper motivation? Yeah, probably, but it's not recommended at all. Uh, so I would definitely try to find yeah. some practical reasons for <laughs> for languages. Yeah, I mean, and when I say motivation, I don't necessarily mean like you have to have the right reasons. I just mean there has to be some reason that you start. Like right. even if you make a decision, you can be a person that chooses to make a decision totally randomly. But also for me, for Korean, I was kind of like, there was one TV show that I really liked that was a reality show, actually, that I watched subtitled. And I wanted to watch other similar things, and a lot of them weren't subtitled. And I was like, well, I'm going to start learning. I just like the way it sounds. Yeah, me too. I just too. like the way Korean sounds. So then I kind of was like, well, I'm going to start learning a little Korean. I started to start watching more, like, K-dramas, which is how a lot of people enter into Korean culture. Um, I think probably... A majority of people in my Korean class, maybe. Right. <laughs> probably started from dramas. There's other ones. There's like people liked K-pop. People that their grandmother was Korean. People Why that do Thai. Starting with K is it like? <laughs> I like K food, but I don't know if I would call yeah. it that. <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny. So you know, it kind of comes in, if if it's like meant to be, it kind of builds on itself. I feel like a little bit. So I was like, I'm interested in learning a language. So I started watching more of the TV shows. I got really interested in that. And that gave me more motivation. Mm, right. Things like that, as opposed to I'm kind of like, well, I'd like to bring my Italian back up. Because, but it's like, I'm not that interested in Italian culture. My, um, I don't have any plans to go to Italy anytime soon, because I would like to go to um, Korea after I graduate and be in Asia. So then sort of other Asian countries is the travel opportunity yeah. there. Um, and, you know, like I didn't, I was kind of like very depressed when I was in Italy. It's part of the reason I didn't make a lot of friends, but it's like one local person that I did meet that didn't speak English, 
uh, was this guy that turned out to be married towards the end of the time that I knew him. I discovered that. So I don't have a big motivation to keep in touch with him, right. you know. <laughs> Understand. <laughs> um, and then and then with Karina, you know, I made friends. I really like my friends, even though I kind of was like, I'm going to go and try and find these friends to practice language and culture and learn about culture. Like, actually became pretty close. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's cool. I, I, I definitely agree with the idea that you can definitely find, I don't want to say passion for the language, but you can definitely pick up interest in a language after you started studying. Uh, you can discover new TV shows. You can discover, I, a lot of people talk about Japanese culture like manga or anime. You know, they, they find all these great things after they start learning the language. <laughs> And then that gives them motivation to keep going. And I don't, mm -hmm. I definitely believe in that as well. Uh, and also when you start to see results, that usually also pushes you a lot further when you realize, oh, wow, I can read this sentence. Or, oh, I understand that word on that sign. Or, you know, these little wins that, that shows your brain that you're actually progressing and not just wasting your time all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, the... Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, I kind of touched this before that I tried learning a bunch of languages when I was a kid with whatever kind of materials, the library and stuff, and nothing really stuck. Um, but the once I noticed that Korean stuck, I felt like I could do anything in right. this world, you know? <laughs> That's amazing, yeah. Like, the fact that I can listen to somebody talk and I can understand a lot of the time, I, I'm not understand the thrust of the sentence even if i don't know exactly what every part is doing right yeah or oh, that's, that's you know, perfect yeah that's, i understand learning like a baby just listening to a lot and talking a lot so um is that your preferred uh, let's call it strategy or method it's just tons and tons <clears throat> of input or do you have any kind of uh, tactics or <laughs> any kind of paradigms that you use for <clears throat> learning languages on your own um I do I kind of do the, I do do memorizing to various extents and grammar study. That what do you um, use for, for, for that? I use Anki, Anki, Anki yeah. and I use generally flashcard approaches that uh, put zero English on the flashcard. Right. Gabriel um, Weiner. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I find him very inspiring his episode on your, your show. I went and I went after I heard that episode, I went, um, I was working out, out at the big mall, the other town. So I went to Barnes and Noble and I went and bought his book and wow, that's amazing. Korean stuff. And then I went home and ordered some more Korean things. That's um, and I think, especially for, if you want to learn to read an alphabet or just, if you want to learn to read the sounds of a language, especially if it has a relatively like phonetic or phonemic writing system, I don't think there's anything better than his method. Right. But, um, yeah, so I kind of adapted parts of that for vocabulary. And so especially learning Korean, there's such different, like, correspondence. I think between European languages, people say that you can, you know, learning to read a newspaper is easier learning than a children's book because academic words have such one-to-one -one correspondences. So many of them, like, come from the same, borrowed from the same languages, um, Certainly for Spanish, that's true for me that a, a, a novel 
and originally written in Spanish is going to be a lot harder than a newspaper. Right. Um, I hear it's the opposite for Japanese and even oh. Korean papers are very dense. Okay. Like in Korean writing, they almost never use Chinese characters anymore, but right. they still show up in the newspaper from time to time <laughs> just for fun. Wow. Just to like keep you on your toes. That's um, interesting. But the. So they use that phonetic uh, yeah. or phonemic uh, writing system. Yeah, it's right. pretty phonemic, like morphemic slash phonemic. <laughs> and now we're getting into some uh, <laughs> linguistic terms that, for the most part, people would not know there's a difference. And I am not even sure I do. So let's just uh, assume that uh, they're. Okay, <laughs> if you ever learn Spanish, anytime you see anything written down in Spanish, you know how to pronounce it in any dialect of Spanish that you control right. basically um because everything is there in the writing there are some things you're like why is this written in two different ways but then for example in spain they say like a lot they say cenar uh -huh. and laundry say cenar so it's like things like that so it's very straightforward korean is a little bit more like it's not as bad as english but it's kind of like with french maybe that there are some things there are some words that just you kind of have to maybe some ending, let's say that's spelled the way you used to pronounce, but it's not pronounced that way anymore. Right. Or you have to know like a lot of rules, but it's basically there. So it's a little bit more like French or something than Spanish, which is really just like you look at the letters and you know what they're doing. And... English is absolutely terrible. I don't understand how it went so badly wrong at some point because <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason. English has a lot more sounds than exist in the... Right. <laughs> and I just, I just feel so bad for people learning English, but because when you think about English, you're like, oh, it's so easy. Everyone speaks it, right? And then you, the poor guy from Japan or something learning it, he has to deal with all these words that look the same but don't sound the same. It's like, oh, yeah. how, how, like, why? Like the the classic one is that through thorough thought or what is it, whatever, like yeah. three ways of saying th. Uh -huh. Cough is the one. Cough through thought. O U G H. And I think that's all of them. Is it trough? Trough. Trough rhymes with cough. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's just hilarious that you can have such a diversity. And I think a lot of languages do have that ambiguity sometimes. And that makes it oh, harder to learn. Slough is another one. Slough, yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. <laughs> um. But cool. You, so you made yeah. a lot of your own flashcards and you yeah, so images I, so, instead of words. And I think that's Images, lots of sound. I actually oh, yeah? kind of so did the, um, there's another one I got from one of your podcast guests when I was starting out. The, um, uh, when you can do an Anki, the subs to, you can take the subtitles of a show and oh, turn yeah. it into flashcards like with audio and multimedia. And I think it's, it's just amazing. And kind of, what I do with that too is that I have a ton of stuff um, it's not even necessarily like shows that I want to rewatch or things. Korean shows usually stop after a pretty short period of time. So it's not like if I studied one season, if I was studying English, I studied hard one season of How I Met Your Mother. Other seasons of How I Met Your Mother would just get easier. Mm -hmm. It's not quite like that. But what I'll do is when I'm studying a grammar structure or a word, I'll go and search in there and find my examples from there. And then I have them in audio and they're more natural because a, a written script is closer to speech yeah. than writing is, even though it's 
it's kind of between, you know. Um, oh, definitely. And it's really fun to study like that. I think. Um, I think it's the best make... way to practice your spoken language because the talk shows or sitcoms or something that illustrate daily life use a lot of the language that you would use on daily life except if you're watching like i don't know uh, house or <laughs> some medical yeah. drama it's like all <laughs> foreign words um but i guess if you're studying greek or something maybe it's useful i don't know um but um <laughs> i i did that with russian you know i watched a a, a sitcom and like you i didn't understand every word but i could after a while i could sort of get the meaning of each sentence so i would start to watch it and enjoy it because i think it's tough to watch a tv show if you don't understand anything it's kind mm -hmm. of tough yeah and i i do still kind of watch a lot of stuff with subtitles and i know people are kind of against that but it's like this is what i'm watching for fun right now they're split i think you know? uh, the... and, yeah and i definitely will still just pick up words from that like um god even pronouns that aren't really used in writing but that are used a lot in speech mm -hmm. i was like oh i know i just figured out what's going on here and a lot of korea a lot of the subtitles like aren't very good because it's really hard to translate korean to english and that actually can be helpful sometimes and you have the, the, the bad so subtitle because you're like oh that's what's going on in korean right and then i can think of a better way to express that feeling in english but it kind of so yeah. it's kind of interesting. It's um, like a double-edged sword, I think, because you do have a very limited space to translate very complex sentences usually. And I don't know if Korean is the same, but Russian can sometimes be very succinct. So you have mm -hmm. a lot of meaning in, you know, very few words. So when they speak a whole, a longer dialogue, which would fill up, you know, a subtitle, then the English translation would need to add so many words for it to be, a complete translation so it's often an interpretation of what they say instead of a translation which they do often so for me it's like yeah. a double-edged sword it can help you to understand and also enjoy the show which gives you more input but the in terms of using it to build your own vocabulary to learn some collocations and stuff it could be it could be uh, a little dangerous sometimes because you're not entirely sure uh, but if you're at a high level like you say then you, maybe you can evaluate it yourself and then decide what to pick up on and what to just leave <laughs> yeah and i like i never watch anything in spanish with subtitles anymore if i can help it um even though i'm still missing parts of it for example because it's like well it it does force me to <clears throat> to listen instead of whatever but it's oh you know from a spanish is a very advanced level so it's really different um being a beginner right. but yeah, i think the thing one of the other things with like subtitles and translations in general too is that different languages can be ambiguous in really different ways oh yeah so that's actually a big problem with korean like subjects of a sentence are optional but politeness level is always expressed <laughs> which is completely opposite of english where there's a lot of neutral ways to say something in regards to politeness especially if you're stating a fact but you always have to put a subject to the sentence right. you know so yeah yeah, it's tough. I don't envy the translators' jobs always. Mm -hmm. They must have a really tough time because they have to convey the, the the deeper meaning, but also they have such a limited amount of space to, to do yeah. so. It's um, tough. Oh, 
So any other methods or strategies or techniques that you've come across? I remember you, you said one of the first reasons that you actually came across this community of language learners was that you were looking for methods or, or strategies. Mm. Did, mm-hmm. you, did you ever find anything that really stuck apart from the flashcards? I, well, another thing that I really like for Spanish that I don't use as much when I'm in school because I'm reading um, so much in Spanish anyway is that I do enjoy different things about blue, blue, blue and read lang, I think are really helpful, both right. of those, um, for helping find things at your level, if you're lower level for blue, blue, especially, or for saving the words easily on the read lang. So I do like both of those. Um, I also, I think it's really important to um, just, I think all the different strategies people have for pronunciation and for listening, I think are really important early on. I think um, there's one that I actually kind of got from this kind of Korean language, more focused thing where it's just, just listen to stuff, listen to the same things over and over again. And find a way to listen to it um, where it doesn't matter if you don't understand everything. Uh-huh. Just like pour it into your ears. Because <laughs> um, that's, yeah, kind of like the infant theory. I think adults can learn faster than infants because infants have to learn like what's an apple and this is how you say apple. Right. And adults can just be like, okay, I'm going to make a flashcard with a picture of an apple on one side and the word for apple on the other and I'll, you know, or even just you might be told the word for Apple once and know it. Yeah. Um, but I think just kind of having um, uncomprehensible input. And what I do is I have a couple, um, well, some stuff that's a little more geared, geared towards language learners, but that still kind of speaks at an intermediate or advanced level from places. And then also just a regular radio show that I found a podcast for that the the DJ is like an actress I really like, and I kind of want to talk like her. All right. So I just listen to her podcast. I just, and then every once in a while you kind of be like, oh, I wonder what that means. And that's still part of learning, I think. Of course, yeah. The infant theory, you know, but at the same time, when you go through and you memorize words and grammar structures, I think that what that helps you do is just comprehend the input faster. And then the input is what really like makes you learn in the more like get the language as being an instinct rather than as being an intellectual exercise. Cause I think that for me has always been a challenge because seeing how the grammar pieces move around is a little bit easy for me, but actually just comprehending and producing is more important and more fundamental. Right. So I think that's kind of that's kind of how I view it right now. Is I just listen to stuff. Um, yeah, that's a very good idea. And uh, the whole comprehension, uh, the what is, what's it called, the comprehensive input. Comprehensible input. Comprehensible input. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just basically tons of input. Um, and for me, the the struggle is, as I mentioned before, if I don't understand enough, then it's really hard to just keep doing that active learning or active listening that's required to actually pick up anything. And I mean, yeah. I, I should do more. I definitely feel a little guilty. But um, at the same time, it's it can be tough. So that's why I kind of do podcasts and stuff, too, because then I can just listen to it in between listening to something in English 
while I'm doing my laundry or on the bus or things like that. And obviously, since you're in Hungary, when you're outside, you could just take out your headphones and yeah. get a little bit of that comprehensible input, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. But, um, I think, yeah, I think listening to... I think active active listening is a little bit overrated okay. in some ways. You know, like, I think the reason that English is easy for people is that it's so easy to find, like, it's supposedly easy to learn, is that it's so easy to find that comprehensible input um, that you care about and that's not available in your own language. It's just kind of a little bit more present, a little more there. Right. Sometimes I go looking for Spanish podcasts and I go into Spanish-speaking countries' iTunes stores and half the top, or more than half the top podcasts in the category are English language, right? Really? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so I, maybe I need to just find a better place to look than iTunes, the iTunes store. But um, the like before I got more involved in language learning, I was a little bit more involved in some gaming communities online. And most people that play games speak English well. And I knew a lot of people, actually. It was the Hearthstone community I was more involved in. And I knew a lot of people that kind of were coming from other other places, maybe like local physical card games, let's say, where they didn't have to use a lot of English. And then they were coming and becoming like professional gamers or content creators or whatever in English. And just like, you're just there, right? So I think um, but I think when you're listening to something you don't understand, you just have to listen to the sound. So you have yeah. to find something that you like the sound of. That also helps with the pronunciation, which is kind of yeah. tricky at the beginning. Or the, what is it? What is that? The melody of the language? It's mm, not, yeah, the, um, I, I once called it rhapsody, but I think the actual no. word is prosody. Yes, prosody. Um, and rhapsody is, uh, something completely different, but <laughs> <laughs> So that was a fun episode of me calling something Rhapsody and my, my very polite guest was like, uh, maybe. <laughs> and uh, we just moved on. Uh, but anyway, uh, the past, the past. Yeah, and but, I think like trying to find, like I always try and find um, something. I think it's good to find somebody your same gender about your same age, especially if you're speaking a language that's only spoken in one country, then that's a lot easier Um to start to like sound like you're your own age to like get somebody like oh they're cool i want to sound like them and then even if you don't um then i think that that helps a lot because you kind of you don't have this danger which it's kind of beyond repair in my spanish right now that i sound like a textbook and i would have to live someplace for a while before right. i stop sounding like a textbook <laughs> but um, um yeah it's definitely a problem uh, well i don't know if it's a problem but it's uh it's definitely you really have to be careful about uh, definitely getting more input and i guess i don't know about would it help if what do you think about tutoring getting conversational tutoring early on uh, in learning a new language i think it is probably a really good idea um when i i haven't really had a chance to try it yet because i was super broke when i started learning korean so that's kind of part of why i went to take a class in school because i was like it'll just you know, there'll be a teacher that will talk. Right. Um, and that will do things. So, um, but I guess that classroom style, yeah, you got classroom is really different. You got um, 20, 20 students or more and you have to each, <laughs> you have to each learn something and get some, mm -hmm. get some attention from the teacher. So it can be tough. 
to actually yeah. i mean I've, I've heard from a lot of people they have done oh yeah i did three four years of french or spanish in school and i was like oh okay so you speak it quite well now and they're like no i can't say a word it's like what yeah it's really crazy I, i think that um i think there's a lot uh i think there's a lot of what am i trying to say it's like everyone has to learn a language so then there's not maybe the greatest teachers out there right um you know in some countries too like in east asian countries especially kind of any native english speaker can get a job teaching english right yeah <laughs> and the i mean the biggest thing that you can kind of offer the kids in that case is just to talk and talk to them and talk yeah. talk talk but um i don't know i would like to try conversational tutoring i'm going to like i said i'm planning on doing mandarin over the summer but i do have some friends that i'll be able to like talk to right. actually a friend of my um, one of my good friends is a going to be taing uh the beginning level chinese in the fall so nice. <laughs> i'm gonna let her practice on me a little bit maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah or, i mean just the general idea of language exchanges mm -hmm. we talked about that earlier that's definitely one way you can one way you can get that conversation practice that a tutor often can bring without having to pay for it so yeah for many, for many people that's that's a great mm -hmm. option and as long as you set the right boundaries i think that's a very useful way uh, sometimes it, you know that's a little bit too much giving and too much taking from mm -hmm. one part but uh, if you just set up some a timer or something and make it you know 50 50 then nobody yeah. is usually getting upset start with whatever language the person is bad at too i had that problem with my first the first person i tried to do korean language exchange with well he had a couple problems in the end but one of the problems was that when we first met my korean was terrible so even though his english wasn't great so that was that was bad right you, you know that so my korean like non-existent english was not very good at all but we had to like kind of speak english in the beginning to connect but then yeah. we accidentally covered in english everything i already knew how to say in korean right like where are you from it's like oops covered that you know <laughs> yeah it's it so. can get a little tricky I, i i haven't really explored the language exchanges too much because i i, I just didn't enjoy I, i mean i'd rather teach someone danish for an hour and then pay someone to teach me hungarian an hour than having to find an exchange because it's just so so technical with the whole you know giving and taking and yeah And I saw some people sharing a document where they listed like 600 conversational topics or something. And I just, it just doesn't seem that natural. You know, you're sitting there and you're trying to make conversation with somebody you don't really know in a language you don't, you really don't know. It just seems like a very awkward situation for me personally, at least. Yeah. And there's some good, there's some good topics. Like if you could meet one person from history, who would it be? That's great. <laughs> if you're a little more advanced, um, amazing conversations things like that but um i think part of it too is just kind of a little bit letting go of having that formal relationship too where maybe um i think about this actually a lot because a lot of people being a native english speaker especially for me or being a high level english speaker for you that a lot of people kind of just want to practice english right um and I 
there's kind of this attitude that maybe I had a little bit unexamined. I'm looking at it again that a lot of kind of maybe Americans studying abroad have where they don't want to, they, you, you know, or traveling to avoid speaking English with people completely mm-hmm. and to maybe like lie and say you're from Lithuania and your English is appalling <laughs> right. in order to get people to speak whatever. Definitely. Japanese with you. And, um, but if your goal is like just to communicate with people and connect with people, then you will end up um, probably speaking a, a mix of languages throughout. So if you meet someone and you kind of, like the if you just really need to communicate with somebody and you don't you're both bad at each other's languages the way you're going to do it is you're going to say as much as possible in their language and then you're going to use your language when you can't think of the word in their language right and i don't think that that's that's you know maybe not for like a, a a friendship where you sit down and chat over coffee maybe not a great way for languages to kind of flow but i think just kind of trying to make friendships starting in target language or something. But, you know, when people come to the U S and they want to learn English and then they don't, <laughs> they don't want to speak their native language. Like <laughs> there's course. that, there are those people. Yeah. Or, you know, well, it's just like, it, both people, both, both parties come with exactly the opposite like goal. If you're yeah. learning, if you're learning Japanese and a Japanese person is learning English, and you meet up for an exchange, then you're in there for exactly the opposite reasons. And that's yeah. really that's really strange for me. So I think maybe starting out with things like the timer or using as much as possible of the language that someone's a beginner in yeah. is a good way to go. But I think once, you know, if you just make a friend that has a different native language from yourself, the friendship will kind of find its own language sure, yeah. in the end. And... You know, I think native English speakers are really sensitive to not being used for English practice. Mm-hmm. But then that has to go the other way, too, where you don't want your friendship with somebody to be based on using them for language right, practice. Exactly. But maybe you're using their language as much as possible because it connects with them better right. or because of politeness, because the people around speak English, even speak very little English or no English or, you know, things like that is kind of where it goes but then the trick is to not let everything pull back towards english right <laughs> being yeah, like, it's, common always like you know? it's always tough i mean learning languages is not really that easy in general no, <laughs> no <laughs> I, it's not <laughs> i don't know whoever said that but honestly it's not easy i mean there's so many moving parts and there's so much to keep keep you know you have to keep going and uh, you have to learn so many things so i i definitely realize that that you're learning a language if you've done it if anyone's listening and you've learned a foreign language i mean good job because it's really it's really not easy and uh, yeah. it's good for this podcast because we can keep talking about it for years but at the same time it's also uh, you know it, it i i think about this a lot that it isn't really that easy the process is simple but doing it for an extended period of time is is quite difficult yeah and you know for me like i like to I don't speak really any French or German, but I could, I went, when I was studying in Italy up into, um, it's actually, it's a nice coincidence. I was studying in Florence and my uncle had a, um, sabbatical in Strasbourg. 
So I went to visit him with my mom and we went through Switzerland and Strasbourg's right on the border with Germany. So I just like walked two miles to Germany right. <laughs> one day. Um, and, you know, just be like, I'm cafe to like, just like things like that. And then be like, okay. And also, can you explain this menu item to me since we're not in a tourist town and you're the only waitress that speaks English? Thank right. you. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to say like, I, and I'm going to be like a ugly American and order coffee at the same time as the rest of my food. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I'm coffee and soup together. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting mix. Uh, not something I see a lot here. Um, but you can definitely do it. I, I mean, as long as you're not the obnoxious American who just insists on speaking very loud American yeah. English and the waiter's like, what, what, what's going on here? <laughs> well, and I think there's like kind of, um, it's called register switching in linguistics where you just talk in different ways to different kinds of people. And I think if you've learned even one other language, you become more sensitive to the fact that you need to speak in a more standard register to non-native speakers right. rather than speaking loudly and you need to just keep rephrasing things <laughs> that are understood. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that kind of just comes out of it. But uh, yeah, out of that sense of being the one that just speaks loud. I think that's a, I hope that's an old stereotype. Do you still see that around? Um not too often yeah. if people are drunk maybe it does happen but <laughs> yeah but then they're also drunk <laughs> loud because they're drunk right no I, i'm not sure about the whole you know screaming when people don't understand uh, maybe on the phone that does seem to happen still because people are like <laughs> oh he doesn't understand me better speak louder it might be the connection yeah you know? <laughs> maybe they're not coming through loud <laughs> enough but it's really funny to see i've seen it especially with let's say older people if if they're if they're on the phone and the other person is really quiet, then they feel like they have to shout as well. It's like <laughs> why? That doesn't make any sense. Well, because old people are deaf. But, but you're speaking don't have into a microphone. Yeah, I know. Just because the other person is is quiet doesn't mean your connection is quiet. So the other person is probably like <laughs> bleeding out of the ears because you had to scream. <laughs> Well, people that are in denial about their own hearing loss have a poor judgment of right. how loudly they're speaking, I think. Well, they have a poor judgment, <laughs> full stop. Um. <laughs> okay, just put it that way, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, um, thank you so much for coming on, yeah. on the show. I've had a, I've had a fantastic time and um, really enjoyed discussing some of these uh, language learning topics, the evergreen topics uh, of, <laughs> oh, yes. of today's polygon um, conundrums. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I have no uh, idea where I'm going with this. Use of, that was a really natural <laughs> use of the word conundrum there. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I There's a TV show in England called Countdown, and uh -huh. I they have countdown conundrums once in a while, so that's why I got that word. I don't know if it only applies to puzzles, but uh, anyway, I guess this is a kind of a puzzle. But um, It's always a puzzle, I think, in some level. You just got to keep solving it, even your own right. language, even that's your... True your English, even everything like that. Oh, yeah, so. for sure. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the thing I've noticed that and people tell me is that after I started studying Russian and, and Hungarian and I stopped using English as much, my English has actually degraded a little bit. So <laughs> it's always a trade-off. It's always a trade-off. Oh, yeah. Like um, one of my friends he, who I write in English with and always have, he corrected one of my... He corrected a grammar mistake. <laughs> and... 
and uh, he's never done that before and he was like hmm this hungarian is really rubbing off on your english and i was like oh boy oh no please don't disappear english i need you um, <laughs> i don't think i don't think your english is in any danger of disappearing anytime soon that's 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 you good. probably do you, you still listen to some things in english right you still have a few friends you only talk to in english yeah, yeah you still well, go english my own podcast you know I listen to my own <laughs> voice all the time uh, no, uh. not really but, uh, <laughs> yeah i definitely <laughs> still watch a lot of english stuff it's just it, i i think the corrupting part is so not so much that i hear a lot of other stuff it's just when you have to form unusual sounds like, mm. for instance, the S's and the uh, SH sounds in Hungarian and, and Russian for, for a part, they're really different than the English. So yeah. when I read a Hungarian text, I have to remember every time I see an S, it's not S, it's sure. So it's mm. like, um, and, it, and it corrupts. So sometimes when I read English, my brain is thinking SH, but I, I can't say that in English. That would sound very silly uh, or chilly, but, um, you know. I don't quite know if corrupt is like the right word because i think it's just interference you know, maybe yeah I, I interference know. is more of the okay interference would be like the technical linguistic term i think but right. you know when you have um it's just kind of what your brain is doing yeah and there's ways <laughs> it's actually um I don't know if you find it hard to keep your languages separate, but I definitely found we had to do a presentation in Korean class, even though it was second semester. So it was very stressful <laughs> and we're allowed to use a little bit of English. And I found, I accidentally started speaking Spanish for a second right. because I'm so when I go up in front of people, I feel like I'm speaking Spanish. You know, I oh. have a, um, I didn't talk about it much, but I'm doing like local comedy right now. And I always want to write jokes that go through different languages. Right. I'm like, I can't do that. I do have a joke about how I'm afraid I might accidentally start speaking Spanish. Y bueno, si es que no me comprenden, que me perdonen, eh? But <laughs> I think it's like also enough people who have studied enough Spanish to understand if you don't understand me, forgive me. Right. Which is I just, you know. It's kind and, of or like when I'm just saying like, yeah, 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 to people, I'll say it in Korean. Like, nay, 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 nay. Right. Any, so well, I definitely feel that a lot. I I remember when I just I I don't know I've been doing Russian for a few months and then I was really I overslept on a school trip so everyone was like I had like twenty missed calls and people were like where are you and I was like what is it today I thought it was tomorrow they're like no no we're on the train we're halfway through Denmark now on the way to Germany I'm like what so they're like yeah you find a train on your own and you can join us later so. <laughs> So I was like really kind of almost, I felt almost jet lagged because I was just rushed out of bed and I just had to do all these things that I didn't prepare. Like I had to do laundry before I could go, <laughs> all mm. these things. And when I finally made it to Germany after like four or five hours in the train, I was so, my brain was, my brain was so confused that when I stepped out, I couldn't remember the German word for yes. And I just cycled, <laughs> I just cycled through like Esperanto, Russian, Danish and eventually I made it to German. I was like, wow, what, what just happened? And people they were just looking at me really, really strange, like what's wrong with this kid? Um, but, um, but yeah, so I definitely feel it. And also when you're studying really foreign languages, it's very easy to confuse them with other really foreign languages. So mm -hmm. I'm studying Russian and, and uh, Hungarian and they're not really that similar. They're not even related, but my brain kind of puts them in a similar department or I don't know, 
I'm actually, yeah. I'm actually reading a book on neuroscience right now, so I should know the technical term. But um, anyway, the my brain is like linking them together. So when I think about a word in Hungarian, it might go to the Russian word first. And sometimes I'm not sure which is which. Is which. So mm -hmm. I, I definitely experienced the interference firsthand. And yeah, it's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, part of what I've been trying to do to like untangle my Spanish and Italian is that when I do study Italian now, which is not often, I usually use Spanish, duo, Spanish, oh. Hello? Duolingo for Spanish speakers. That's what I was trying to go for, right. for Italian, because then that like throws all the differences right in my face. Oh, yeah. You know, I'll be like, Zanoria Carota, and I'm not going to, you know, like, put some right there. But sometimes I think, well, but then I'm encountering them both at the same time. So is that tangling them more? It's hard to say. Uh yeah, I don't it's... know. I think as long as you're a high enough level in both, mm. I think it should be really, really good because the idea of learning a foreign language through another language is really good. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. It, you have to obviously be really a lot careful. of people do that for English. It helps a lot of people's English. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but you have to be careful though because if you're at an early stage, the the interference is just too great. I mean. That's mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the things I remember from the Polygon workshops I was I attended with uh, Richard Simcott and Alex Rawlings, and they they kept kept talking about if you want to learn more languages than one, be sure that they're not from the same group. So mm -hmm. he Richard talked about how you shouldn't learn Italian and Spanish at the same time, but you could learn Italian and Russian for sure, no problem. I mean, I still don't recommend yeah. people learning multiple languages, but the interference is definitely way reduced. So, yeah. I think starting a new language in the same time is what's really the problem. Right. Or in too short of a period, if you're continuing with the language instead of giving it up yeah, for a while, right. you know. And you give but... into that whole the grass is greener thing because mm -hmm. it's that it, what the true secret to learning a language, and this is what I've found after countless interviews, is keep learning the language, and yeah. one day you will speak it. But yes. if you if you keep switching between two languages, the time that you invest into each one individually it's not very much so while you can learn two languages at once i just don't see a reason to do it and doing it myself yeah. at the same time so that's kind of contradictory but well, you're russian you've been doing russian for so much longer yeah and you're currently uh, located in yeah i wouldn't uh, say that though because my russian is terrible and i <laughs> didn't, put, I guess. didn't put many yeah, hours but even into though, it. Like, i think it just it kind of comes naturally when you've been studying things for just different times in your life that you just have different things, you know? Yeah. Like, I, like I said, I think I'm still planning this summer to start Mandarin, but I don't really plan to like try and work on it real fast or anything. And I'm planning to try and just keep it to speaking right. for a while. Um, and if you're at different levels, I think it's okay because then you can yeah. use the second language as a break sometimes. And because you don't want to forget, that's the thing too. Because you, you know, like if you don't use something, you will forget it yeah. eventually. There's people that really have no opportunity to speak their native language will have difficulty, a lot of difficulty calling it back up. Oh yeah. Um, even even their native language. So I think kind of transitioning the study of like your advanced language into more of that maintenance style too. You know, like during the summer, I'm not planning on like sitting down and studying any of my Spanish grammar books like I was doing before I went back to school or even like some of my classes make me do. But I'm still planning to like keep reading things in Spanish and listening to things in Spanish mm -hmm. and like 
try and keep up on my Anki decks and oh, maybe yeah, that's another good point. free downs, things like that, just to keep, just so I don't forget it in the fall. And then, you know, and people, <clears throat> so then I guess when you're sort of at an intermediate level in a language, but you want to focus on something else, then that's kind of a challenge because do you want to keep like studying new materials really actively or cause like I plan to keep studying Korean really actively over the summer because mm-hmm. I just like it. And cause I'm planning to go to Korea after I graduate, but um, at the same time, like, well, part of it is just to be the maintenance stuff too. Just like I have this couple podcasts that I like, some of which are focused for language learners and some that are just stuff. And right. I don't know. I think at one point when you get the basics of a language, you're essentially just building out your vocabulary and building yeah. out your comprehension. So once you're over that hump, which takes a long time to be fair, but once you're over it and you can just listen or read material with, without mm-hmm. too much trouble, then you're essentially just building on your skills. Whereas if you're in a, if you're new in a language, you also have to understand how the grammar works. You also have to understand how you know each each part of the language works together. And once you know that, also the, sometimes the alphabet, I mean, that's a good mm-hmm. start, right? <laughs> and, and how yeah. they actually pronounce things. So, so I would say... I uh, even general. like starting with just talking now, I think. Like I really still like Pimsleur for starting, even though it's a little slow and always it teaches you language a little too formal. Right. I like it for starting because it just makes you just use your ears and your mouth. Yeah, and they do really focus a lot on pronunciation. Yeah. Like they really mm-hmm. drag out the endings which can be a little boring sometimes but they definitely focus on trying to get you to say it somewhere yeah directly. so like that's my plan is that after my semester's over i'm gonna just get pimsleur mandarin from the library and put it on my phone awesome. and uh i it, i know it's a really expensive program but you know well, it's, it's expensive library as it and, <laughs> yeah but yeah it's at the library at my or the public library here so i don't feel bad about putting a library CD on my phone in the same way I might feel bad about pirating an expensive thing. <laughs> uh, come on. We're all leftists now, aren't we? So... <laughs> yeah, it's the corporations. Yeah, all not... these evil corporations. <laughs> um, obviously, as a disclaimer, the podcast is not condoning any illegal activity, but... Um, no, I... like I'm planning to go and buy... I already actually did buy the um, Fluent Forever Mandarin, like sound flashcards and i think i'm going to maybe buy some more in, some other like independent products that are a little bit on the cheaper price range that are really pronunciation and speech focused and i can highly so... recommend uh the pod 101 class 101 series yeah uh, they're very I'm affordable of paying for a subscription for that for a little while for for the mandarin as well yeah so if people are interested in that you can go to actualfluency.com forward slash pod 101 and all the languages are there so you can find find your language and there's a discount i think there maybe i don't know there should be with <laughs> running discounts though yeah they like, are, I, oh yeah yeah yeah. right now for um korean but when i started out i paid for a couple months and i went through a lot of the beginner lessons and it was really it's really helpful useful, I, I like how they have things a little bit separated too even though i think it's good to like build on the previous things like when a program is or materials are just too linear then it becomes very like that's not really how language is yeah you know it's everything all at once once you're in real materials so i like they explain the cultural notes and also the grammar and but it's not too much like it's not a grammar program at all but they do explain sometimes 
oh here it ends with a t because it's an object and and it's sort of it's easy to digest and the episode's only about 10 12 minutes and you can just put it on your phone to download and and i i really like especially for more like music reference like exotic or difficult languages with programs i like going through a lot of different beginner materials from different places yeah you know like i have my for Korean, I have my school textbooks. I have a different college textbooks I bought. I have different websites that have kind of a linear progression as well. And when I was doing the pod 101 from them, I went and there's a couple different perhaps the beginner programs. And there's like the questions one, which is really good because yeah. it really gives you the skills to just, you know, find one down in the dictionary and then you've got your own answer to a question. Right. So. Weren't we wrapping up like 20 minutes ago? Yeah, oh I was God. trying to, but then, we, well, there you go. We got into an interesting tangent and we just couldn't get, couldn't stop. But um, yeah, we definitely should. But uh, right. <laughs> I, I just wanted to thank you again for, for coming on because uh, I've had a great time and I'm sure people uh, would love to hear about your uh, your story and uh, ideas yeah. about language learning. So, uh, so thank you so much. You put links to the stuff is on the website, right? You do You do like that. Links, links to the stuff links to the stuff you mean the stuff we've been talking about oh no 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 oh to my yeah oh, yeah, yeah i can I, i'll link to your i we uh... have a blog about language learning but it hasn't been updated in over a year uh... Uh, but i'm still paying to keep the url <laughs> so i better write something else <laughs> yeah and the url is a little bit complicated at least for me uh, maybe it's yeah a... url is in spanish so just right. just put it on the website okay, yeah so so if people are listening you can you can find all the links and everything we talked about in the uh, show notes and all right the podcast. Awesome. So thank you so much and uh, and and do thank keep you. in touch on on twitter and uh, if you make it to an event around the world you know be sure to uh, come over and say hi love to but we'll see all right they're but... pricey they're pricey yeah oh god yeah <laughs> like oh the north america one where is it oh montreal, montreal. Okay. <laughs> Well, next year, maybe they'll be in America. I think their plan, original plan was to cycle between Canada and the U.S. So hopefully the yeah, 2000... Yeah, going to be in Asia. Oh, well, <laughs> well, then you're just difficult. But... <laughs> I'm just screwed. Yeah, well, there, and... there hasn't been a Polygon event in Asia yet. So who knows? It might happen. No. Thank you so much All for listening right. to but the anyway, Actual Fluency so Podcast. Yeah. If you to want you to come on to the podcast and share okay. your language learning story, don't hesitate to apply on actualfluency.com forward slash guest. See you in the next one.